The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 6 and it's on page 970 in the Pew Bibles if you like to follow it there. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street's corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you know, uh, when you go to see the doctor and they, or the dentist or something like that, and they, they say, well, this, this might hurt a little bit. And you know what's coming next. They're like, this is, it's just, you're going to be yelping. Um, and they're not doing it to hurt you. They're not being to, doing it to be mean or horrible. They, they're doing it to help make you better, but you know it's going to hurt. Um, you know what I think the pastoral equivalent of that is? I think, I think the equivalent of that is, is going up to a Christian and, and saying, tell me, how's your prayer life? And, and there may be some, perhaps, uh, particularly our, our kind of senior saints, who can say, Do you know what, it's not perfect, but actually I love, my, I love prayer. It's, it's just, it's great. I, it's my duty and my joy at all times and in all places to pour out my heart to my Heavenly Father. It's wonderful. My guess is that's not most of us. So maybe someone says, uh, uh, my prayer life is almost non-existent. I kind of, uh, I, we kind of look at our feet and we kind of shuffle our shoes. We say, well, I, I kind of pray some arrow prayers in an emergency from time to time, but most of the time I, I, I don't really pray. Uh, someone else says, well, look, I do pray, but it's a bit impersonal, it's a bit formal, it's a bit rote. I repeat myself a lot. Uh, I kind of just pray a load of cliches most of the time. Um, Heavenly Father, just want to thank you for just being here and pray that you just be here. Um, someone else uh, says, um, I, do, I do mindfulness. Like, I'm conscious of my thoughts. Is, is that the same thing as prayer? Which I think the Bible's answer is, what? Well, it's a bit like prayer, but without the really good bits. Um, someone else says, I used to pray. I used to pray, but it didn't work. I felt like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceilings. 
someone else says, you know, I struggle to put prayer into words. I just kind of light some candles, have some pebbles around the place. Um, someone else says, look, I'm, I'm more of an activist. I like to do stuff, like sitting around praying. It's just not really my thing. Um, someone else says, I, I just I feel too self-conscious. I just feel a bit awkward when I, I pray. I, I have to kind of make jokes about talking to the big man upstairs because it, it feels a bit weird. It's not the kind of thing you want to admit to doing in polite society. Um, I was talking to a really um, mature, godly Christian the other day. This is someone in, in full-time Christian ministry. You don't, you don't know them. This is a, a while ago. But they were, um, they were saying, I, uh, I, I can pray in a prayer meeting. But they said, I, I feel too ashamed to pray by myself. I'm just not sure God really wants to hear me. For, for me personally, I would say I do pray. Um, I would say I'm fairly disciplined about my prayer life. I pray regularly. Uh, it's dutiful. It's kind of a bit mechanical. Uh, I tend to treat it far too much like a chore to tick off at the start of the day. And if and if any of that resonates with you, I mean, there might so so you know, if you if your prayer life is a delight and a joy and and is great, then in a sense you probably don't need the sermon. Feel free to zone out. But for the rest of us, uh, who's somewhere in that zone, Jesus has got the most wonderful medicine for us. The sermon is not going to be a beat up. Don't don't worry. Um, uh, um, this is not. I'm not. It's not going to be a, kind of telling us off. Jesus comes with medicine. In fact, it's not so much medicine. It's not magic. It's it's more a kind of blood transfusion. He's going to give us the life and the vitality of his own prayer life in this wonderful model prayer that he gives us in, in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, if you're thinking we, we've done this recently, you're right. Stephen Pratt uh, preached uh, recently on the, on the whole of the Lord's Prayer. What we're going to do over the summer, though, is we're just going to slow it right down. And we're going to try and take it line uh, by line and just see what we can take from it over this, this new series. Because can you imagine the disciples... And they're sitting there and they're watching Jesus and they're kind of waking up and they're just vaguely aware that he got up at some ridiculous time this morning to go and pray. And they're looking at him, sitting out there praying again, like, what is he talking about? I run out of stuff to say after about two minutes. How does he do it? What is what's he talking about? And, and, and they say, Jesus, in the parallel passage in Luke, they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And uh, Jesus gives them this, this model prayer. He's given them a couple of warnings. Um, he's warned them that this is not something to kind of pray mindlessly, just endless repetition. So when um, someone says, oh, I'll just go and say 25 paternosters, repeat the Lord's Prayer on, on a loop, that, that, that's, not, that's not praying. That's, that's, that's kind of exactly what Jesus warned against. When someone says, well, we need to have a 24-7 prayer meeting where we're going to pray continuously. Um, yeah, that might be a helpful thing to do. But it's not the kind of as if more prayer and uh, praying for longer is, is, is the key thing. This is a, a prayer that, that we're to cry out um, to our, our Heavenly Father. That's the key word that comes up again and again in the bit that Ken read for us. Um, it's also worth saying, when we think about prayer, prayer is not about listening to God. Listening to God is a wonderful thing to do. But that's not what this prayer is. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to ask for things. I've got a friend who's quite naughty. He likes to put it like this. He says, prayer is a shopping list. Isn't that, isn't that helpful? So many people have told me through my life, that prayer is not a shopping list. He says, no, prayer is a shopping list. Look at this. There's just a list of requests in the Lord's Prayer. 
It's request after request after request. Um, Nick and I were watching a, a West Wing episode last night, and um, there's a lovely thing in there of the relationship between the president and his daughter. And can you imagine a president who said, look, um, uh, to, to his daughter, look, look darling, um, you can ask anything. So long as it's in line with, with my agenda, I will just be delighted to do it for you. And, and, and she says, well, um, Dad, I'm really concerned about those riots we've just heard about in Nairobi. Could, could you fix those? He says, yeah, I'll get the director of the CIA on it straight away. What else? Well, I'm, I'm really concerned about homeless people and that they haven't got the, the health care they need. Could you, could you look? Yeah, I'll, I'll get the director of Medicaid to look into that. And you can imagine a, a, someone coming to their, their father and having this long shopping list of requests that are exactly the kind of things that, that he loves to do. It, it fits perfectly with his agenda. Her heart and his heart kind of are, are for exactly the same things. And it's his delight to promise her he'll do whatever he wants. I'm not sure being president of the United States works like that. It's a totally imperfect illustration, but you get the idea. There's a shopping list dimension to this. What stops it being a shopping list is the first line. Our Father in heaven. Four words for us this morning, six words in the original. Um, the original is closer to the, the traditional version. <coughs> um, uh, and uh, um, this, is, this is the prayer of a child coming to their father. That's the key when we think about um, prayer, how, how this, the Lord's Prayer is teed up. The thing that stops it becoming a shopping list is who we're talking to. And if I forget that, if I get that wrong, if I don't, in this sense, kind of tee up my prayer by remembering who I am speaking to, well, I will ask all the wrong things from all the wrong priorities. If I get this right, well, then here is Jesus' blood transfusion to transform the way we pray. Um, it's a prayer we pray um, pretty much every time we meet as a church family. I try and pray it daily. We try and pray it with the boys before bedtime. Because as, as someone said, like you can't add to the Lord's Prayer. There aren't kind of other things you can pray for apart from this. This kind of covers pretty much every base in every prayer in the whole Bible. It's so short, and yet it covers everything. It's amazing. What, what we can do with it is what C.S. Lewis used to call festooning it. We kind of add bits to it. We flesh it out. We get more specific. But we can't add to it because, in a sense, there's nothing more to say. So um, as we think about it, let's, let's start just about how do we come to God and how do we approach God in prayer. First off... Um, uh, we pray to our Father in heaven. And we don't want to skip over that word too quickly because it is a strange way to start the Lord's Prayer. Because when you, where, where are you meant to pray the Lord's Prayer according to the verses we've just had? Jesus says you, you pray it first and foremost by yourself. Go into your room, shut the door. It's just you and your heavenly Father. And yet the first place, the first word sends our thoughts out. Our Father in heaven. This is personal, but it's not individual. We, we, we pray it together and we pray it um, by ourselves, but we pray it as, as a body. We're praying our Father. It would be a very different prayer, wouldn't it, if it started my Father? Um, the other thing to notice that is strange is um, that, that it, Jesus invites us to pray our Father um, if I just think about it like this, my, my dad, he's a, he's, a, he's a lovely man. He lives near Manchester. He's very well read. He's very well traveled. He's an interesting man. Um, uh, if you met him, you'd like him. But, but it'd be weird if I talked about him as our father. He's 
clearly not our father. The, the only person I could say that to is my brother Miles. We could talk together about our father. That would make sense. It is strange that Jesus invites us to pray to God as our father. Um, what's he saying? He's saying that we come to God on exactly the same terms that he does. So I, I go to my dad on the same terms my, my brother Miles does. You and I go to our heavenly father on the same terms that the Lord Jesus does. God's only begotten son and his adopted children approach God with the same words. Isn't that breathtaking? In, in the Old Testament, the king was called God's son. Uh, the nation of Israel was called God's son. Jesus is God the son. And if we are in him, he is, he's the perfect king. He's the true Israel. We get to pray to God as our father. And it's worth just slowing down a little bit and letting the privilege and the, the wonder of that sink in a moment. And let's, let's do this. We think, well, what does it mean that we, we pray our Father in heaven? Because Jesus could have started this prayer however he wanted, couldn't he? He could have prayed our Creator, our Judge, our Sovereign Lord and King and Mighty Ruler. Well, it all have been true. It's been said the Muslim, uh, a Muslim has 99 different names for God. And not one of them is Father. My, my Muslim friends would say it was blasphemous to address God as your Father. Can you imagine the first time the disciples prayed this, just kind of trembling a little bit? Are they going to get struck down for their impudence? Say, so, look, look, look um, Jesus, would, would it be all right if we prayed, Father of Jesus, hallowed be your name? Jesus says, no, you pray, our Father. And, and, and there is something extraordinary about that, because it, it feels like it ought to be impertinent. But actually it's not, is it? Because what are we saying about God when we say that he is our Father? Nicky and I are so grateful. Luke, amazing answer to prayer, has been sleeping much, much better the last few nights. And um, is, uh, uh, wakes up a little bit and kind of sometimes babbles a bit before we go and get him up. But the other morning, it was Wednesday morning, um, my alarm had gone off and I was trying to ignore it and I didn't want to get out of bed. And, and um, Luke uh, woke up and something was wrong. I didn't know what it was. I don't know whether he'd had a nightmare. I don't know whether he rolled over on a dummy and was hurt or like something had happened. And it wasn't this kind of chatter, da 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 da. It was da 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 da. It was so urgent. He was so insistent. He wanted. I, I was trying to sleep through my alarm. There is no way I physically could have slept through that, that call. And, and I'm not a great father, but like, there's something in that moment about what does it mean to be a dad? It means that there's, there's security. I think I can hear him calling it now, so I've set him off. Um, uh, that there's something about a kind of nearness, an intimacy, a concern, a quickness to come. That if a, a flawed human father can do that, well, how much quicker is God the perfect Father to do that? And I don't know how you are doing at the moment. I don't know if you're scared. I don't know if you're hurting. I don't know if you're angry, confused, irritated. And the invitation here is to cry out, to be like Luke, Dada, Dada. There's no particular eloquence to it. Um, the uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones put it like this. He said, do you know that the essence of true prayer is found in the two words of verse 9, our Father. I suggest that if you can say from your heart, whatever your condition, my Father, 
in a sense, your prayer is already answered. It is just this realization of our relationship to God that we so sadly lack. And I don't know if you spotted, there was a bit of controversy in the press a couple of weeks ago um, when the Archbishop of York uh, kind of said um, the word father is problematic. Um, now, I hope we kind of feel uncomfortable at that, but but actually, he was misreported. The issue wasn't—he was talking about—it wasn't, it wasn't a gen- thing about gender. He wasn't saying, you know, we should re- address God as mother. His point was that it's problematic for some people because they've had a, a terrible relationship with their human father. And I think he's wrong, but I want to acknowledge the weight of that of that concern. And it is a good concern because there are people who have had horrendous relationships with their earthly fathers, and it may be that that that's you this morning. And if it is, I, I want you to know I'm, I'm not trying to be glib in this, and, I, and my heart breaks for you in that. But am I right in thinking that part of the issue, part of the pain, is that you know fathers are not meant to be like that? He should have been there. He shouldn't have walked out on mum. He shouldn't have treated her that way. He shouldn't have said the things to you that he did. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have hurt you the way that he did. Fathers are not meant to do that. And I just want to kind of do a little sidetrack for a moment that I think will be helpful and kind of with, with this for, for us all. Um, in terms of how, this is going to sound so boring. I hope this is more interesting than it sounds. I'm going to talk about how metaphors work in the Bible. See, when, when the Bible says God is a rock, that's a metaphor, it's picture language. It's saying that there are some aspects of God that are a bit like some aspects of a rock. So a rock has been there for a thousand generations and it will be there for the next thousand generations. It doesn't change. It's solid. It's secure. You can build your life on it. We're saying in those regards, God is, is a little bit like a rock. We're not saying he's grey and you graze your knees if you fall on him and God is built up of layers of sediment. That's just not how language works. God is, is a little bit like a rock. We're happy with that? So, so there's a metaphor there. When we come to fatherhood... I think the teaching of the Bible is that it's the other way around. We're not talking metaphor here. We're saying God is Father. Ephesians 3, that verse I read at the start, all fatherhood in heaven and on earth derives its name from God. In other words, he is what fatherhood is. And human fatherhood at its best points to and reflects back something of who God is. Do we get that, that it kind of works the other way around? God is the perfect Father. And so, um, what, what do we mean when we, we're crying out, uh, when we pray to, to God as our, our Father? Um, we pray um, because um, if we are in Christ, if, if these truths get into our bloodstream, we have access to the, the God of the universe who is the perfect Father. And as the more we we kind of take that to heart, the more some of those problems we talked about at the start start to come down, that we can pray and draw near to him without um, shame, without awkwardness, without embarrassment, without being self-conscious, without being dutiful and formal or distant or cold or mumbling empty cliches. We can consciously remember that God is our Father. But third, uh, finally, we pray because God is our Father in heaven heaven and it's just it's just um whatever it is four words in in english that are revolutionary when you think about them for a moment because think about how every other religion works 
um, every other religion has to make one fundamental choice. Is God distant? Is he different to you? Is he other to us? Is he transcendent and infinite and glorious and, and kind of inaccessible? Is he um, immortal, invisible, God only wise and light and accessible, hid from our eyes? Or is he near? Is he close? Is he accessible? Is there a sense in which we can drag him into our problems? And the first line of the Lord's Prayer says, wonderfully, he is both. He is our Father who is near, but he is our Father in heaven. And in in the Bible, heaven is, is this place outside time and space. It is the place where God reigns and rules. It is the place where he has dominion over and his and His um uh, undisputed dominion. He, people acknowledge without, without any dispute that he is the, the glorious one who reigns over everything. But it's the same word that's used for, for the universe, for the cosmos, for where the stars and the planets are. And you think to yourself, or I do, when, when I look at the, the universe, like, why does it have to be so big? God could have saved himself so much bother. He could have just made a couple of planets and put them around us and you know, given us a bit of light. And that, he, he didn't have to make a universe the size it is. Um, we, I, I read this week, um, the star Betelgeuse. Isn't that a great name? The star Betelgeuse, um, few, um, you know, how many million light years away, um, uh, has, you, is so big, you could fit the planet Earth into it 262 trillion times. For con- Sorry, James is going to... It's a thousand times bigger than the sun. It's a thousand times bigger than the sun. So for context... There are, I'm told, there are 37.2 trillion cells in your body. I don't know who counted them, but there's apparently 37.2 trillion cells in your body. You could fit planet Earth 262 trillion times into, into Betelgeuse. Like, why does God make the universe so big, so ridiculously, laughably enormous? Isn't it to teach us that he is so much greater that it is ridiculously laughable to think that he could fit inside that? He is our Father in heaven. And because of the life and the death of the Lord Jesus, if we are in him, we can walk into his heavenly throne room and address him as Father any time we want to. Isn't that mind-blowing? If that doesn't stir us up to pray... Something's wrong, isn't it? I mean, let's let's just kind of step back for a moment. I mean, let's do some diagnosis. Let, imagine, I, let's make this really concrete. Let's imagine I, I threw out a challenge that tomorrow you're going to spend three minutes in concentrated prayer to God at some point in the day. Maybe maybe you're doing three minutes. Maybe maybe we make it ten minutes. Whatever it is, Let, let's be really concrete. Or if you meet with a friend, a Christian friend in the week, you're going to pray with them. Uh, maybe in silence or out loud, or, or if you go to home group or a prayer meeting, you, you're going to say a, a prayer out loud, even if it's just one short prayer out loud. And my guess is for many of us, there's something there that just feels a bit overwhelming, whatever the kind of next step would be for us in, in prayer. And it's worth just stepping back and sitting in the awkwardness of that and the tension of saying, well, what, what's going on there? Is it that I have kind of made my walk with God too individual. I have I've forgotten that we're to pray our Father in heaven. I'm commanded to pray to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it that, that God in my thinking has become too distant? 
I think that's often my problem. I, I, I need to keep reminding myself constantly, he's not a distant dictator. He's not some demanding tyrant. He is my father. He has adopted me in Christ. Uh, he, he runs to meet me and throws his arms around me. He loves it when we come home to him in prayer. Or have we made our relationship with God too cosy, too irreverent, too domesticated, too focused on myself? Totally true of me a lot of the time. My needs, my wants, my priorities. And I've forgotten that he's my father in heaven. I say it's not a beat up. It's not a beat up. This is medicine. Just a bit of self-diagnosis. Is there one of those truths I particularly need to remember tomorrow that's going to spur me on? to pray and to pray um, reverently, uh, honestly, intimately to our Father in heaven. Amen.